Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Reading from John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him, and you do know him and have seen him. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Jonathan. Well, we're continuing uh, in our winter series uh, called 2020 Vision, and we are looking at uh, the I Am statements of Jesus, and this is the sixth I Am statement of Jesus that we're looking at today. Um, Sister Virginia was a dedicated Sunday school teacher. Uh, She had a very strong love for children, and she taught three- and four-year-olds. And she loved to teach them uh, about Jesus. And in her class of three- and four-year-olds, there was a loquacious, impetuous little boy named Todd, And Todd was full of questions, full of questions, wanted to know about Jesus. And as the story goes, uh, one morning, Todd raising his hand and wanting to ask a question, asked this question. He said, Sister, if Jesus is the Son of God... How come he wears rags? That's a legitimate question, right? Little three or four year old mind. Now, wait a minute. Jesus is God's son. And in, in, in my mind at the time, I, I saw pictures of him. And uh, what he appeared to be wearing was the clothes that a peasant would wear. Hardly what you would expect God's son to be wearing status-conscious little three-, four-year-old Todd, right? 
and the sister answered. And she said, it's because God wanted to identify with the people that he sent Jesus to. That he didn't want them to think that he was above them. He wanted them to think that he was one of them. And uh, that, that was the answer. Now, really, what is a question getting at? The question and the answer is dealing with something really central um, to the Christian faith. And what is that? That is the incarnation. Uh, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Eugene Peterson, uh, in, in his paraphrase, the message, uh, says it this way, that basically God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And so at a very early age, I was asking a very important question that's central to the Christian faith. Uh, and that is the incarnation. God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And, and trying to grasp that, trying to understand that, and, and all that, that it entailed. Questions are important things. They're important things. It's by asking questions, and it's the answers that we receive, that we choose to believe, accept, or reject, that that really begins to form our sense of reality, our sense of the world around us, our sense of who we are, our, our understanding of why we're here, what happens when we die. It forms what we call a, a world view. And as I look back uh, in Sunday school, being taught by Sister Virginia, uh, at a very early age, I was asking questions and receiving answers that would form a world view. Okay? A world view. Um, we all have one. Uh, for some of us, it's so subtle we don't recognize all of the influences uh, that really questions we've had answers we receive from different places, different people uh, that, that really form our worldview. But every single one of us has a worldview. As we're looking at our passage today, okay, in John uh, chapter 14, 1 through 7, really, um, it begins a little bit earlier in John 13, uh, 31. And what's happening here, this is called the, uh, the farewell discourse. It's uh, Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. And he is preparing them for what's going to happen. Uh, preparing them for uh, his arrest, right, his death, all the events that are soon going to be happening. He's sharing with them about these things. And they don't quite understand it all, okay? And because they don't understand really what he's saying, uh, they're trying to make sense of it, they're going to ask him a series of questions. And, and so there are four questions that really are going to make up 
the bulk of chapter 14 of John in this farewell discourse. The first question is going to be asked by Peter. And that leads into Jesus' response that, that we're looking at uh, in John 1 through uh, 14, 1 through 5. Then Thomas is going to ask a second question. That leads into John 14, 6. That's going to be followed by another question that's going to be asked by Philip. And then finally, a fourth question is going to be asked by Judas. And in his response to these questions, Jesus is addressing issues that are helping to form what we would understand and know as a Christian world view. Okay, a Christian worldview. And the statement that, that really is central to this worldview uh, is the statement in John 14, 6, um, where Thomas says, well, we don't know the way where you're going. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And then he continues, no one finds their way, right, comes to the Father except through me. Theologically speaking, um, this statement of Jesus is central to the Christian faith. Because Jesus is at the center of the Christian faith. His life, his death, his resurrection. Um, whether or not a person believes Jesus' statement really determines whether or not they're going to have um, a Christian world View. Now, what's a Christian worldview? Let's just look at a worldview first. Let's see that. What's a worldview? A worldview is a framework or is the framework from which we view reality and make sense of life in the world. Okay? It's a framework through which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. Now, a Christian worldview is an understanding of reality given in the Bible centering on God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ. Okay? A Christian worldview is an understanding of reality that's centered in the Bible in God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ. That, that, that is really... Um, the foundation of a Christian worldview. It's based on divine revelation. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. And in a Christian worldview, we see it in the framework of, of four parts of history. Creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration or some would say consummation. And we see a transcendent God working 
in and through human agency and by becoming flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and going among us to accomplish his plan of redemption and ultimately uh, the restoration of all that has been impacted and broken by sin. All right? that, that, that's central to a Christian worldview. Now, let's look uh, at some key tenets of that worldview. And, and I want to call this for now a biblical worldview, because a Christian worldview is a biblical worldview. So let's look, and here's the question. Do you have a biblical worldview? Do you have a biblical worldview? George Barna um, surveyed uh, a large group of um, regular church attenders who claimed to have uh, a solid relationship with Christ. And he asked them this question, and then he asked them if they believed each of these tenets. Let's look at them. Number one, do absolute moral truths exist? Do you believe that? Number two, is absolute truth defined by the Bible? By divine revelation in the Bible and the scripture? Three, did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Four, Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and does he still rule it today? Next. Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Followed by, is Satan real? Is Satan real? The next question Barna asked was this one. Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? How many are left, Lucas? One more. That's what I thought. And here's the last one. Is the Bible accurate in all its teachings? So what percentage of respondents to this survey do you think answered yes to all of those? These are people that identify themselves as having a strong Christian faith and walk with God and belief in Christ. What percentage? Anybody? 85? 65? 42? 12%? Okay, you ready? 
only 9%, only 9% answered yes to each of those questions. Since that time, Barna has done more research and done more surveys. And as of 2017, uh, his research indicates that only 17% of all people who claim to be Christians, who claim faith in Christ, um, actually have a Christian or, thank you, a biblical worldview. Only 17%. So then that begs the question, what percent of people, Christians, would say, yes, Jesus, I believe your I am statement when you say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, depending on how you define each of those three things, which we're going to talk a little bit about, you might have a large number say, yes, yes, I believe that, Jesus. But then what happens when he says, and no one finds their way, no one comes to the Father but through me, by me. So you had that, that second part of Jesus' statement, and the number kind of dwindles significantly. Okay? Because we live in a pluralistic society. A society in which people are asking questions, and there are competing answers. And there are different worldviews that reflect those answers. And unless you and I, as followers of Christ, can rightly discern God's word against those answers, then what happens to us? Then our worldview becomes more of a smorgasbord of beliefs than actually uh, a biblical worldview. You see that? And so, we ask the question, well, well, how can someone claim faith in Christ but believe this? Or act in this way? Or live their life in a particular manner? Well, Often it's because they have a belief system that has bits and pieces of different world views, not necessarily a biblical worldview. Does that make sense? And so a lot of people are okay with Jesus until they get to this I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one 
No one comes to the Father but through me. That is a bold statement. You see, there are many teachers and many philosophies that claim to teach the way or a way, a way of life, a way, or a truth, or a way to have a better life. But that's not what Jesus teaches. Uh, Let's look at the next slide. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the truth of the Father or the truth about the Father. He is the very life of the Father. In Jesus Christ, we come face to face with the Father. Okay? And as we read on in this passage, uh, that's what he says, and he elaborates on that in his conversation and answering Philip's question that follows Thomas's question. Okay? Now, let's look at each of these three things that Jesus has said. He says, I am the way. Okay, I am the path. I am the means through which a person comes to the Father. 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Jesus Christ. The emphasis there, the man, Jesus Christ, God incarnate. Okay? The God-man. God who became flesh and dwelt among us. He alone is the mediator. Now, it's, a, it's interesting that word mediator. We think of uh, a mediator when you have a, a conflict or dispute between parties, right? And what does a mediator do? The mediator steps in and, and, and attempts to, to resolve that conflict. And so remember in that four-part picture of history in a Christian worldview, the second part uh, is the fall. The third part is redemption. And Jesus Christ becomes the means through which sinful humanity is reconciled to a holy God. He's the mediator. He is the one who steps in and resolves the conflict if you will. And and that's what Paul is writing here to Timothy. There is one mediator. Later on, Peter, who starts really with this section of Scripture by asking the first question, right? Um, Kind of, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to go too. In fact, I'll die for you. And that's when Jesus says, well, not quite, Peter. You know, you're going to deny me. And, but he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, right? John 14.1. He talks about he's going ahead and he's preparing a way, uh, a place for them. 
And he goes, you know the way I'm going. And really the way that he was going was the way of the cross. It was the way that would ultimately mediate that that dispute, that conflict between fallen humanity and a holy God. Going to prepare a place that where he is, we're going to be also. And he's going to come and he's going to take us there. But he's trying to comfort them and give them hope because they're going to need it in the days to come. Later on, Peter in Acts 4.12 says this. He says, you know what? I've come to understand there is salvation in no one other than Christ Jesus. So you can see between John chapter 13 and Acts chapter 4, Peter is starting to grasp and understand and own a biblical worldview. You see that? See that process? But it starts with asking questions. Jesus is open to answering questions. The question is, are we open to receiving the answer? And what will we do with that answer? The second thing he says is, I am the truth. Now, what qualifies him to say that? John begins his gospel in John chapter 1. Let's look at the passage. 1 through 4. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Okay? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now we read down to verse 14. The word, right? The beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh, that's the incarnation, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. 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 Jesus says, I am the truth. I'm God incarnate. Who is better qualified to speak of what is true than the creator of the universe. That's central to a Christian worldview and to a biblical worldview. He is the reality of all, all of God's promises. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. All of Scripture points to him. I love what Paul writes to the Colossians. I don't have this on the screen. I'll read it. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. 
Okay? What qualifies him to say, I'm the truth? Finally, he says, I'm the life. I'm the life. I love what John writes later on in 1 John 5, 12. Put that up. He says, whoever has the Son has what? Life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does what? Not have life. So Jesus has made it very clear. And by the time John is writing this gospel, and by the time John writes uh, this letter, 1 John, that, that understanding, that Christian, that biblical worldview now has just seeped in, and it's at the core of what they believe. Their understanding of reality, making sense of the world around them. And so when you look at a worldview, all worldviews attempt to answer the same questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? What's my purpose? Where am I going? What happens when I die? What's going on in the world around us? How did it get this way and how can it be fixed? All worldviews answer those questions. And so the question is, which of the worldviews best explains the reality in which we live? Which worldview best allows us to understand the world around us? Which worldview gives us hope in the questions we ask for who we are, why we're here, where we're going? What's wrong with the world and how will it be repaired and fixed? You see that? And so this passage, this sixth I am, is all about worldview. It's ultimately the answer to all those questions. And it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's the path to the Father. He is the reality of all God's promises as the truth. He unites divine life to ours. He is the life. He's the life to come, and he's the life presently for all who believe. If you read on in John chapter 14, verse 16, he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever. And the advocate is the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit. And so we enter into that life. We're united with that life of Christ. Now and for eternity. Okay? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Thomas Akempis said it this way. Follow me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which you must follow. The truth which you must believe and the life 
for which you must hope. Let's pray. Father, in a world of competing views, competing answers to life's most important questions, we come to this passage this morning. And Jesus makes it very clear um, who he is. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He is the means through which God, in his mercy and grace and his love for broken humanity, has made a way, has reconciled sinful man to himself. Lord, this morning we sit in this sanctuary hearing this word but as we leave we'll quickly be bombarded by other worldviews by other answers to life's most important questions to those who claim to have a way to others who will say I can point you to what I think is truth And still others that will say, this is the way to live. This is where life is found. All those ways, all those understandings of truth, all those invitations to life fall short of what God has promised us in his word and what he has made possible through his son, the one who is the way, who is the truth, and who is the life. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the means of salvation. Thank you for the means of of abundant life, new life, eternal life. God, may we, as your followers, open our hearts and our minds and our ears to the spirit of truth that we would not be led astray, that we would focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Father, guard our hearts. Keep us in your way. We ask this now. In Jesus' name. Amen.